Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eating Salads. It's me again, Austin Crosby. Today, we had a delicious bolognese experiment. Starting early in the morning, I chopped up some mushrooms, some or uh, some onions, some carrots, and added in after like you know steaming those up, sweating them out, getting them all loosey goosey. I added some pork, so it was in essence a pork bolognese. Oh, and of course some uh, San, is it San Marino tomatoes? I don't know why why I think that, but that, that also could be correct, I guess. Those oblong tomatoes in the can that are like half crushed with uh, big chunks as well. Really appropriate. And after I added them to the spaghetti for lunch, then in the uh, afternoon, we had a salad with it. Or I did, in case you didn't really. But, you know, here's the thing that I was saying to her about the uh, Bolognese is I don't necessarily think it's a very highbrow dish or a, a meat sauce, a beef or a pork or any of that kind of meat sauce for pasta. It's kind of a simple thing. But I do believe that over the years I've made a decent a decent red sauce for pasta. Definitely wouldn't knock it. And uh, like most things... Sorry, hold on. I gotta turn my... My phone was going on vibrate. I, anyway, um, you know, like most things, there's diminishing returns. And at one point, you know, I would have been like doing a lot more with the garlic, for example. Maybe I would have diced up the onion a little bit more carefully. Or... Uh, any number of things like that in preparation. But I've kind of casualed it out. And I was saying to Casey uh, in a roundabout way, I'm trying to say it to you too. So I think it's a real, I'm pretty competent at uh, cooking and that I've come to a very good, very good middle ground for what a spaghetti sauce should be. That everything was pretty correctly done. Maybe I'm speaking out of a place of ignorance and there's so much more I could know about how to cook red sauce, but, and I'm always learning new stuff, of course. I mean, one of those things is that you're not supposed to use oil with the mushrooms. So add that into the equation for today and it's like, good to know. There was no oil in this entire dish. Maybe someone would roll their eyes like, you know, you you made a sauce without olive oil. You know what? Olive oil is great too. It didn't get used today. I did uh, do a bit of a deglazing of the pot with red wine vinegar. So that was a little bit fancy after uh, the browning of the pork and vegetables in the bottom of the dish kind of stuck to it. Deglaze it. Why not? You know, that's kind of next level. I, I know things like uh, really salt up that water you cook the spaghetti in and leave a little bit of it in there and then finish it in the sauce. I know those sorts of things. Al dente. So you're always fighting that battle with cooking, culinary, any kind of pursuit, right? You think, wow, I did this whole thing. I learned how to do this whole thing. And then you get the veil pulled up and you're like, oh, that was the beginner. That's not even close to the intermediate. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? That being said, I think that 
I've really, it's been a long time since I've made a bolognese. But it's something I did as a, uh, like a kid, frankly. So, again, diminishing returns. How much more I'm willing to do for that kind of recipe. Because I even simmered it for a few hours. For a few hours. Some people would go, oh, no, no, it needs to simmer overnight. <laughs> and stir it with a wooden spoon throughout the evening. You know, thrice on the midwinter's moon or whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was good. Another thing that I, I went down the rabbit hole on today was actually binaural audio and uh, Escape from Tarkov. There is a guy called Veritas. I'm still not finished with it. It's like a three-hour long documentary, I guess you'd call it. Um, and to give you some background, Escape from Tarkov, by the way, Russian game that I've been playing. I know you, you know I talk about this. Um, and there seems to be a whole online discourse about cutting edge games like there, I, I went down a recommendation loop of uh, different very hyper realistic detailed all encompassing games like Star Citizen which has been in development for 11 years that people have been able to play it like Escape from Tarkov since 2018 has been and uh, also the reason I bring it up is both of them have just insane levels of fidelity and um, detail worked into their mechanics. Okay. So that being said, one of the oldest standing complaints, things that is buggy that people complain about with Tarkov is the audio. There was recently the, the uh, like lead creator made a Twitter post asking or a reddit post asking people hey what is one thing you think we could work on and 95 percent of the people said the audio and this veritas is like a uh i think that's how you say his name is a streamer and a play tester in in ways coder uh, in some i don't know a program i don't know what he's doing but he knows what he's talking about. He he went through a lot of work to uh, present his case for what's actually going on with the audio bugs that people are presenting. And he showed you all of his work, basically. And it was really interesting to see him break down how audio... Because I have a little bit of a, of a sound design background. I mean, I'm, I'm not... It wasn't my specialty, but I, you know, I know what I'm... I can have a little bit of a conversation about it. Um... And he was basically saying that the obstructions in the game that stop you from hearing things like, say, walls, corners, are aggressive, and that's for sure. And the transitions from ambient spaces like indoors to outdoors are sharp and dramatic. Those are things that are given. We all know that. But then... The occlusion, which is basically what I was saying, is an, a mathematical way of deciding how much of a noise you should be able to hear through certain conditions, past walls, etc. Um, he, he went into a deep dive about how that's set up. The invisible fields that are developed into the level design that are occlusion barriers of different sorts. 
and then how their uh, engine unity adapts to those conditions and what it provides for you. And then he goes into all the different case scenarios of like what you could have enabled on your computer that would mess with the occlusion or compress the audio or make you think something's coming from behind you and above you instead of in front of you and to the right. You know what I mean? And how complex those things are and and what they're dealing with. And basically there has been this campaign of people who wrongly assumed that their complaints about occlusion were caused by a processing suite called steam sound. I think it's steam sound, which is the actual in engine binaural audio processor, meaning it is what these game developers, the tool that they have to turn source sounds into something that two speakers make you perceive as three-dimensional. I know that sounds complicated, but it, it, it kind of was. I don't know. It's not rocket science, but it was kind of complicated. And he was saying, you know, a lot of people have on your computer, you, you boot it up, and Microsoft has a 3D sound simulator, and uh, THX has a 3D sound simulator, and your computer manufacturer has one, and all these different softwares that could be running will mess up the one that's built into the game. But there's been this campaign of people who misconstrue some of the errors as this binaural audio built-in processor so they disable it and then rely on real lackluster things. And he was saying basically what that does is most of you are listening to this game with a Snapchat filter on and then complaining that it isn't good. And he was, uh, he had a lot, he had like a test that he built and distributed and had a hundred people participate in listening to different game clips and then reporting where they thought it came from. And he compared the scores of different settings to, you know, show evidence towards his point. And uh, it was also just interesting to see some people really were poor at judging which direction sounds were coming from regardless of the settings. And some people were just a lot better at it. Uh, there were other important context clues and he showed clips where you he then broke it down and analyzed. Like now imagine if you didn't have this context clue, you wouldn't have been able to tell if that gunshot came from over here or over there. But because you can spin around and the sounds move in in three-dimensional space, that's a huge advantage. And, you know, it was interesting stuff. So, still haven't finished it, though. It just keeps going. Also, oh, okay, kind of tired, but the last thing I want to say is we went to Best Buy and we returned the modem that we got the other day because we didn't need it. I think I mentioned that he uses a different port and no one at Best Buy knew that. And the guy at Best Buy, when we, I didn't really say that much to him. I was just like, Hey, you know, we've got a return. I gave him my number and he, he logged it in. And, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, the ports, 
they use different ports. Turns out I, uh, I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, I foresee that being a huge problem because this has happened before and people just don't know that. And the way that they advertise on the box makes you think that this would work with it. So I foresee this happening a lot. And I was like, man, honestly, that's the kind of thing, a little sign, just a little, little printout would probably suffice because, uh, even though people don't really read signs, that's like actually a sign that would get read is the one in the modem section telling you that that certain kind of modem is incompatible with fiber because uh, not a lot of people are familiar with all these terms. I mean, we talked about that on the podcast the other day. So anyway, guys, thank you so much. Please stay healthy. Come again tomorrow.